We all want to feel like we belong, but sometimes it's challenging to find connection in our living spaces, neighborhoods, communities, and relationships. On Home Where You Belong, we're here to change that. Hear stories of people from different backgrounds and from different places and how they've been able to feel more at home to help give you a renewed sense of connection, belonging, and optimism. Welcome to Home Where You Belong with your host, Chip Alford. Maybe life is really like a long journey home. We need the journey. Maybe a lot of it is whittling away or burning away, refining our ideas of homes and maybe some of the perfectionism or expectations or egocentricism that that goes along with, you know, what we want to be our home. And you start to realize, oh, oh boy, there's a lot more to this. And there's actually a lot more that I now see is a gift than I would have seen before the journey. Every year, more than 200,000 people from around the globe hike the Camino de Santiago, a popular spiritual pilgrimage that winds hundreds of miles through the Pyrenees Mountains, beautiful countryside, and welcoming villages in France, Spain, and Portugal. After completing her Camino journey five years ago, Chattanooga, Tennessee native Holly Brock shared her story in a 34-episode self-produced podcast. The program highlights real experiences infused with an occasional layer of what she calls holy imagination. The result is a reminder of what connects all of us to each other and to God. A wife and mother of six, Holly is a creative storyteller, lover of the outdoors, and an avid traveler and adventurer. She ponders life like a philosopher, expresses herself like a poet, and inspires others with a vibrant faith and contagious curiosity. Holly's joining us today to talk about her experience on the Camino, lessons learned, and the value of seeing life as a journey we're all taking together. Well, Holly, welcome to Home Where You Belong. I'm thrilled to have you on the show today. I am so happy to be here. I'm really interested to hear more about your journey on the Camino de Santiago. Hope I'm saying that right. But first, let's tell our listeners just a little bit more about you, um, where you're from, where you grew up, maybe what your childhood and early teenagers were like. That's great. I'll, I'll take a moment first <laughs> and say Chip has such a beautiful heart oh, and really does his research. You do. And it's very meaningful to have a chance to tell any part of our stories and particularly around our home, because that is such an integral, foundational part of life for each of us. So bravo on your, on your subject matter, your, your topic. And so I just wanted to say well, that. Well, thank you. First. I really appreciate that. And yeah, I'm interested to hear how your experience on the Camino maybe impacted your thoughts about home. So we'll definitely get into that. But first, tell, tell us more about Holly. Yeah. I grew up on Signal Mountain, a mountain girl. I've always, always looked on the horizon for the mountains. It's just something in my blood. I know people who live at the ocean look for the ocean. People who live here, their city, probably look for the city. So the mountains are are in me. So definitely a, a mountain girl. So tell us, so for the listeners who don't know where Signal Mountain is, where's that located? Signal Mountain is on the north 
pretty much north, maybe northwest side of Chattanooga, Tennessee. It's one of three main mountains. Um, well, I say that there's more in the surrounding area, but right around Chattanooga, there's Signal Mountain, Elder Mountain, Lookout Mountain, and then the ridge that kind of rims the rest of it. Living on the mountain, did you, when you were growing up, did you spend a lot of time outdoors? Were you always kind of an outdoors person? or? Yes, always loved nature. Then uh, my best friend through my entire life, Amy, she really was the one who exposed me to uh, the outdoors. So we would go out to their family farm on the back of Signal. We would go down to Rainbow Falls oh, on Signal yeah. Mountain. I mean... Probably should have died a few times. Sorry, mom. <laughs> um, doing stuff, you know, that just wasn't the smartest. But maybe in the long run, we could say it was still wise because it because of the experience. Sure, probably learned a few things on those trails. I bet. Yes. I know you grew up on Signal Mountain, but I believe you went to college on one of the other mountains and. Maybe that's where you even met your husband. Is that right? And if so, can you tell us about that? Well, my <laughs> husband, Crew, he is a piece of work. He's he's an amazing person. Great name. Um, I love that name. Oh, it's a Crew. good name. It ha- <laughs> and I, it has more to it. Okay. Um, but we actually met in high school, oh. high school sweethearts. Okay. And um, yes, went to Nashville for college, then got married partway through college, and then ended up at Covenant College and graduated from there. That's the Covenant College that's on top of Lookout Mountain, yes, right? It's a beautiful, beautiful campus. So you got married, and then you, you raised a fairly large family. Tell us about yes, that. Yes, we have six children. Uh, five are married now, and we have five grandkids now. That's awesome. So that obviously points to a lot of what I would have to say about home and a huge blessing in my life, the most stretching experience of my life, raising those six beautiful people. Full-time job, but it sounds like one you really invested in and really wanted to invest in. I did. I never pictured myself as a mother hen or even really homemaker. That wasn't really on my radar as a goal. And yet, I couldn't have asked for a more rich, stretching, humbling, (laughs) beautiful 20, well, I'm going to say 30 years, really, of raising, raising kids. Paula, earlier you mentioned that you like being outdoors, and I I know that you also have an interest in travel. Did that start early on, or or how did you kind of get into that? And tell us about your love of travel. I do love to travel. The first, I think, true adventure I feel like I had as a kid was my mom saved up and, and took my sister and I on a cruise uh-huh. And we had to talk my fourth grade teacher into letting me out. And so it was a little <laughs> bit of a, like, you know, flexing, like the mom, the teacher. Yeah. And she, my mom was like, I'm taking them. <laughs> and we need so, to make this work. That's right. So we went on this um, cruise and I just, you know, the flutter in your heart that you get when you travel. And um, so that was, that was, 
I would say that was my first adventure. Then my father organized these trips to Maine and to Las Vegas, and we got to take a helicopter over the Grand Canyon. Oh, wow. We stood at Arcadia, and the waves were blasting up on the side of this rock, but never followed through and splashed onto the rock. So we, we were daring each other, let's go stand right on the edge of the rock. And then the next one, you know, oh my splashed gosh. all over us. <laughs> we were soaking wet and just great memories like that. Then I was drawn to Jamaica and sent, spent a summer in Jamaica after my freshman year of college um, in the like, mountains Sounds there. like a good place to spend a summer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Or any, or any time of year, really. Especially up in the mountains. That's a yeah. different That's a different Jamaica. Yeah, I don't um, think of... That's interesting. I don't think of yeah. the mountains when I think about Jamaica. Beautiful I obviously think about the beach, but... People yeah. and that's... children there. Um, so then in getting married, I think Crew and I shared that hope and desire to travel, and we really have. That's awesome. Can you think of just maybe one or two other places you've been over the years that have been special other than the Camino, which we're about to get into. Okay. Well, Komodo Island in the Flora Sea of Indonesia. Wow. That's, it's named that because of the Komodo dragons there. <laughs> and it is a wild place. So there's a picture of my husband and I and three of our kids in there's a Komodo dragon just devouring a goat that they had hung from oh a tree. Oh, my gosh. And the only protection we had was a couple of guys with some sticks. So we were I hope thankful. They were big, I hope there were big sticks. <laughs> I think the point there is who can run the fastest, yeah. which I, I think I probably could. I think I probably could have been. But uh, that was beautiful and just wild. Um, Bled Slovenia is this magical fairy tale place. What was magical about it? It's a lake, and you look across the lake, and there's a cliff, and on top of the cliff is some sort of castle. Then in the middle of the lake, there is an island with a church with no access, road access. You just paddle wow. out there. And it's just nestled, it's just nestled in and... It brings to mind, I guess, a lot of fairy tale-ish imagination. You know, when you're a kid and you're imagining these places. Sure. All of a sudden you're there. You're like, whoa, <laughs> this must be what they were talking about. Sounds, so. like, sounds like you can still see that picture or those oh, images definitely. in your mind. That's awesome. Well, let's talk about the magic of the Camino de Santiago. Um, when did you first get interested in maybe hiking that trail, and, and maybe I guess just to start things off, for the people who don't know what that is, what is the Camino de Santiago, and what piqued your interest in that? The Camino de Santiago literally means the way of St. James. Okay. So it's it's following, or it's it's a representation of the path that James took um, into Spain from Eastern Europe or Italy and further Israel and that area. Okay. And he's the patron saint of Spain. I mean, I'm saying that I think that's still currently true, but there was there was just a special relationship between 
James and, and that area, that Iberian Peninsula, and he really wanted to come and tell people what Jesus had done. So James was an apostle yes. of Jesus, right? Yes. Okay. And so, and there's all kinds of backstories and, and folklore around it, and it's just really fascinating. I think it cues a part of us that it's a more liminal space. And one of the things that um, drew me to this actual pilgrimage was the, it was, it, I kept hearing it referred to as a thin space. And the, I'm sorry, the what kind of thin. space? Thin. Oh, okay, thin space. And I space. thought, what? And I haven't heard that. people described it as where the physical and the, the natural and the supernatural kind of Come meet. together, not much space between them. Not much space between That's them. That's interesting. And so, of course, my, my whole life has been, okay, God, what else? <laughs> what more? What else do you want to you know, show us and, and help us know about you? And um, so this was a very natural response, a very clear invitation and natural response for me to that's, go. That's awesome. So I know a lot, I've, um, it's on my bucket list to, um, to go on as well. And I'm, I'm definitely going to do it. But for, for a lot of people, it's really a spiritual pilgrimage, exploring their faith or their personal life or just a different season of life. Was there anything that, that made you go at the particular time you went? I think it was what, like about five years ago now mm -hmm. when you went? Yeah, almost five years. It's funny for a lot of people who might engage on a pilgrimage because they want to explore the spiritual sure. part of them, they end up realizing, oh, this is like, this is involving all of me coming from the inside out. And then anyone who's just saying, oh, that sounds cool. I'd like to see <laughs> the scenery. It ends up getting from the outside in. And it's a great thing to do. So I'm glad it's on your bucket list. Yeah, so people approach it for different reasons, but I'm hearing that you say, a lot of the experience ends up being common or a lot of the yes. same things that people yes. you know, may have different little original reasons for going yeah. or things like that. But I think, I think that it does create a common spirit actually out on the trail um, and people are just so open and ready to talk and hear and encourage and that's awesome. I want to talk a little bit about other pilgrims in a minute. Mm -hmm. But before we do that, let's go back for a second to the time that you went. I think you've said it was a, you know, kind of a different season in your life. And, and we should tell people you did this on your own, right? You went by yourself. So tell us about that decision. I, I did. I embarked on my own and tried to start every day freshly. Um, so a lot of people will meet others on mm -hmm. the trail and say, hey, you want to hike together? And I tried to have a discipline of just saying, if I see you, great. And part of that reason, which answers your question, is I was um, coming to the end of the intensive part of mothering and actually went on this pilgrimage when my youngest daughter, Ella, was a senior in high school, and which seems maybe like a year early, but then I realized... Um, well, she and my husband will be together, and sure. that's good while I'm gone. They had some bonding time together. They, yeah. they sure did. Um, so I definitely, uh, there were layers of why I, I made the decision to actually go. Of course, like we were saying, all kinds of processing and hopes of understanding more about 
the why of things. And one practical way I tried to apply this because it, it's a sobering reality that not everyone will get to do sure, this yeah. and or even travel much. So I wanted to be very mindful of that, which also made me very thankful that I did get to do this. But one practical way that I knew to act toward that was to sponsor or how do I say it? I raised money to give to a a program called Nations, which is for refugees that have been brought into our city. And helping them with the adjustment and that kind yes. of thing. Yes. Oh, okay. it's a beautiful That's awesome. I taught uh, conversational English to international refugees in Nashville for a few years, really? several years ago. And that was really, you know, probably more meaningful to me than it was to the people that I taught. I mean, but but what a what a pilgrimage for them, right, going to new countries. So yes. that sounds and, like a great connection to do for your trip. And that's true. You just use the word pilgrimage for them. And I, I saw that, and then I saw beyond that that they didn't have a choice. So mm. although it was maybe ended up in their history as a pilgrimage, it was different. It wasn't voluntary. Yeah, for a lot um, of them it's political or yeah. things happening in their country that they had to leave, yeah. right? So. Uh, but but great connection yeah. along those lines. So I I wanted to do that, and um, I also I I did not intend to write a book or whatever. But I've also always loved to write, and I ended up responding <laughs> to the experience by writing. Absolutely, and you're you're a great writer, by the way. Thank I've. You. Uh, we're going to talk about her podcast in a little bit um, called Along the Camino, uh, which is excellent, and we'll include links to that. But it's just uh, very well put together and structured and written, and it really does make you think and ponder. And and you also learn about the Camino, which is great, great as well. So um, we'll get to that. But let's talk about some of your experiences on the Camino so you get there, you, you started in France, I believe, right? Yes, yes. So I, I'm trying to think what that first day was like. I mean, you're waking up, oh. you have probably a heavy pack on your back. <laughs> I, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Wild, but where the lady had the pack that was too big or whatever. Yes, and I, I lost <laughs> weight, not just physically, but the pack lost weight as I went along. But the difference about that is I didn't carry any cooking or, oh, okay. or um, you know, camping. Yeah, she had all, she kind of the whole, the yeah. whole deal, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that was intense. But still, you probably had, you know, quite a bit with you and you're going. Yeah. And what was that yeah. feeling like on that first yeah. day? So it really is a profound moment. You, you step out into the sunlight or rain, if it may be. Thankfully, mine was sun, sunny. <laughs> and... You know, you're kind of looking up and down the street like, okay, anybody anybody <laughs> want to say go? Yeah, or well, anybody want to, you know, is there anything like that? And you just start walking. You just start walking. and One foot in front of the other. Huh? That's it. That is, that is a phrase that you'll hear a lot with around the Camino. And, and that holds such meaning because that's truly how it happens. And then, of course, you start realizing, oh, well, that's life, yeah. too. <laughs> you really just really, got to go. Yeah, yeah you just you got to move. You got to move, and you can only go one step in front of the other, and that's part of the gift of it. Wow. 
just probably one, really reinforced that to you during the yeah. during the hike. Yes. Hey, I want to back up just a second. We'll get back to that first day, but I really have looked into this a little bit myself and started to do a little research. And while it's exciting, it can also seem a little overwhelming. I mean, this is like over, you know, around 500 miles or, or more, depending on the different routes that you take. Mm-hmm. How much research did you do and how did you do that in advance? There are some great guidebooks out there. I also talked to a lot of locals who had um, the experience, who had been on the trail. And since, you know, there have been a lot more people in Chattanooga who have walked it. And it's just, it's a great little sub community like here. Fraternity or sorority, yeah. or a little group of people. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and, and when you see each other, you just, there is, there's, there's a camaraderie, I think. Yeah. Let's go back to that first day. Did you feel like you were pretty well prepared or were you still kind of feeling a little overwhelmed or maybe a I bit did of both? Feel, I felt prepared. Okay. I felt, or at least confident. You did your due diligence. Yeah. And I, oh, and in preparation, you want to hike and of course, foot care, <laughs> foot care is the, the deal. Yeah. So I had hiked at least 500 miles around this area. And one of my favorite things to do would be to be dropped off somewhere in Chattanooga and walk home. And um, that was that was really fun. Yeah, so I felt strong. I felt, but you never know. You never know sure, what your sure. body's going to do. You're in a different country. Different country. I don't right. speak a lot of Spanish. Yeah. That's okay on the trail proper, but, you know, you, you get off the trail and you you're in know Spain. Little, yeah. Did you did you have a plan for I want to walk X number of miles each day or, or and or did you stay in hostels or homes or camp out or how did you I work never through that? camped okay but it was kind of a combination of hostels and some hostels have private rooms okay. so I would do that every now and then just to really sleep well and I did I had it planned out I've tried to do the math it was an average of fifteen or sixteen miles per day but um, that is, that is on average and, you know, sure, sometimes some elevation, you know, you, yeah. So, and wasn't that first day kind of challenging? So it seemed like- yes, there were other days that, uh, were challenging, but that one, maybe also because it's the first day, but technically you're going over some of the Pyrenees mountains yeah. and so you got some elevation and distance, and yes. up and down. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. So it's a good first day. It's okay. like, let's go first day. Well, let's talk for a second about the different landscapes and just w- what did it look like on the Camino? And, you know, I've heard a little bit about it and some of the cool little villages or towns you go through. Just right. give us a glimpse of what were some of the days like and things you saw. Such a variety of landscape. There, there were some flat areas, but then quite a few mountain or hill ranges I personally went all the way to the coast because that was, I just couldn't not. <laughs> you had to. I did. Had I to wanted, get there. I had to see that, that they call ocean. It, don't they call it the end of the earth? The end of the earth. That's what Finisterre <laughs> is. And, okay. Um, what a moment. I mean, what a moment yeah. when, you, when you reach must have been a Must have been a real satisfaction. It really was. There's such a funny story, which is one of my podcast episodes okay. about reaching the end of the earth, which is was simultaneously very humbling and exhilarating. So That's awesome. Absolutely. Another great thing I've heard about the Camino is the people that you meet, the other fellow pilgrims. And I know you've had, you had some great experiences. 
tell us about Pete, who is, a, I believe, a British guy that you met yes. and what kind of impact he had on you. Pete and I met the very first day. Oh, okay. On the border of between France and Spain. I don't know why I picked him out of this group to take a picture. The rest of that day, and then probably over the course of the next week, really ended up walking a lot together. Okay. And he, I just wish everyone could meet Pete. And maybe, <laughs> hopefully, we all know someone like Pete. He's hard to describe. You could not contain him. He's indomitable. Um, and what, he was an, an old, old, older man? or Older, what? yes, but so young at but heart. But very energetic. Yes, <laughs> and had so much to say. And out of, out of this exuberance of life and, hey, let's live the best we can. And, hey, we're all in this together. And, and he just magnetic. So I, what a... What a gift that to is. meet him that first day. And I think a lot about him, ev- not every day, but a lot of days. He had an just, impact. Tell us the, 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 the pop story. <laughs> yeah. So he had this, this phrase he would say, especially when you would walk by a cemetery. But he, <laughs> but he said he would just say pop. And the reason he would say that is, is the moment where people kind of woke up and saw through all of what looks so diverse and is, but could also seem disparate. And pop is the moment where you see through it and you see how connected everything is. Is that kind of like a realization or epiphany Aha kind of thing? Aha moment, epiphany. Aha moment, that's yes. a good way to say it. And yeah. so the reason that he would um, say that passing at cemeteries, he was like, well, we all do at some point. <laughs> And so all these people have at this point. That's a transition we're we're all going to make, right? (laughs) Yeah. 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 That's interesting. Sounds like you spent some time on your own and doing some reflecting, Mm -hmm. but I believe you said you you didn't write a lot while you were there. Right. right? Because I love to write and I can, that's a whole world in and of (laughs) itself. I really tried to discipline myself not to write much while on the trail. So there were... Lots of conversations and lots of time just solo contemplating. And then lots of times where I wouldn't say my mind was active at all. You just very still and one foot in front of the other, which feels really weird at first. And then you settle in and you're like, hmm. It's almost like sounds like a meditation almost, or in the in the present moment. Yes, yes. Part of the gift. It sounds relaxing. Well, after five weeks, you arrived at what is the endpoint for a lot of hikers, and I believe it's called the Cathedral de Santiago de Compostela. Mm-hmm. So what, what's significant about that cathedral, and why is that the endpoint for a yes, lot of people on the journey? That's where it's said that the remains of St. James are oh, okay. buried. It means field of stars. There was a night where a monk was drawn to this particular place in a field and found the remains of James. That's wow. how this pilgrimage started. So and then the cathedral was built there. Was built around that. Okay. We'll include uh, some some links to different sources where you can read read more about uh, the Camino and obviously to Holly's podcast where you can hear about her experiences and learn about it as well because it's it's a fascinating story and. Really meaningful, I think. I want to talk about your podcast specifically, but if you had to explain in a 
few sentences. What are some of the things that you think you took away from the experience? What did hiking that trail, that pilgrimage do for you? Well, we're going to have to dive deep there because (laughs) this is all, to me, around the person of Jesus. As a real person who walked this earth, I asked over and over just what would it be like if I walked on this trail with the person of Jesus? Like, what, what would that be? If he really did walk this earth, what would that be like to walk with him in the flesh? So that was such a driving question as I walked. And then the process of responding to the actual experience about a year later was this this overflow of stories and it's it's based in my real experience on the Camino and yet infused with the layer of what I like to call holy imagination and holy basically just means set set apart okay for a purpose for a special purpose so my the imagination i i wanted to engage with wasn't just whatever i wanted to think but really focused around what would it have been like to walk with jesus on the camino de santiago and really an amazing process it was talking a lot about the practical or specific moments on the camino and then often these stories would spring from those real experiences with this layer of, and what if Jesus had been there? It really did spark your your spiritual imagination or yes. your holy imagination. And it gave you the time, you know, to kind of think through it and then reflect back when you got back home again. Let's talk about home for a minute. When we started out, you, you talked about how meaningful home was and is to you. you. You raised your family, six wonderful children, and a great location in the mountains of Tennessee. Faith has been very important to you. What impact do you think hiking the Camino had on what you think about or believe about home? I want to say that so integral to the experience on the Camino was having a home that was so settled in my heart, so rooted down in me. And the difference between going on the Camino and really being sent to go. Okay. Uh, There's nuance there that is really powerful, and it has everything to do with home. So the first experience was how home impacted the Camino experience. I wasn't looking for anything in particular. It wasn't a, a striving. It wasn't a um, kind of goal-oriented or I, I hope, you know, I find the meaning of life or I hope I feel something after this, which was because, which is a very peaceful place, honestly, which was because I had this deep sense of home and that I... I couldn't be separated from that, even even when I was away. So that's that's pretty powerful. It sounds like you were just open to whatever the experience would bring to you. Yes, which is really the gift, I think, for humans to know that we're loved. If we know we're loved, 
then we really can be open. We don't have to fight. We don't have to. I wish you could see my body language right now. <laughs> she's, she's, she's showing her strength right now. You don't have to push out and make a space for yourself. You don't have to do any of that because you're loved and your God saw fit to establish you just by you being here. That's powerful. That's a lot about home and knowing that we have a home. And we talk about home as, you know, our house or our the people. And there's something even more fundamental, I think, about walking on this earth and really believing that the fact that we're here, we ought to feel like we're at home. That we belong here. That we belong here. Yeah. Absolutely. So that really impacted my walk and then the walk turned around and you know all the phrases absence makes the heart grow fonder sure. and all of that i mean of course i felt that so deeply um and and the time to think about the individuals in in my life and um each of my friends and my husband and kids and parents and there's a phrase that I, I would be remiss if I didn't bring it up, but it's Ubuntu. And my one of my daughters in a college course came, studied Ubuntu and brought me this book called Ubuntu. And I think it's Archbishop Tutu okay. from South Africa. I think he's the one that really brought it, kind of revived it. But it's an African concept. And it's basically that I am me because of you. And you are you because of me. And we are us because of us. Kind of like interconnectedness? It's, or? It's, that's, that's the best translation of it, actually. Okay. So way to go, Chet. Just realizing there's no such thing as, as doing anything solo. There's, we, really have, we really have impact on each other. Sounds like even though you were a solo traveler on that trip, you really weren't. That I you really had, wasn't. Um, the pilgrims that you went with and, um, you know, probably God's presence with you as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so the, the, the fact that home was so established in me, I was able, I feel like, and this might sound kind of weird, but if we're talking about home, I was able to see my heart as sort of a home. I really was able to feel like the people on the trail, I just got to kind of welcome into my home. It's like a community kind of, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And engage with people like, hey, we all belong. <laughs> let's just let's just be. And imagine mm. all the different cultures and uh, languages yes. and you know religions and backgrounds that were probably on that trail. Yes. Okay, I want to talk just a minute about your podcast along okay. the Camino. When you went on the um, on the trail or the pilgrimage or journey. You said you weren't above. you weren't really planning to write a book. You did you took just some jotted notes during the during the experience, but how did it kind of evolve into a podcast? Okay. The I don't know if you've heard the term mayutical. It's kind of one of those no. nerd You're teaching me new words nerd today. Nerd alert, which I am. <laughs> but uh, it it's like a midwife and um and a lot of artists will use that term or that concept, even if they don't know that term. Okay. And when you have something that's kind of in you that you want to bring forth, like birth, like okay. a midwife, it, it's this process where it 
just kind of flows out of you. So I had these most basic bullet point notes from the walk and it had been about a year and all of a sudden here here it comes. You had to share it. And within within a couple of months I had about 32 stories pretty much written out, but I really don't like the process of getting all the grammar and the punctuation <laughs> right and the oh and not the fun part definitely. and i would read i would read them out loud here and there to different people and someone just said you know it's your voice that really carries these stories because they're your stories your voice why don't you read them and then the idea of putting them on a podcast platform so it was all very organic and rolled quickly and i think within about Four months, I had released all of them. Well, you you never know because it seems like it was well planned and well <laughs> put together. But a lot of the best things don't don't that's happen right. that way, right? That's right. But um, well, and you add a five hundred mile walk. I that's you know true. that that's a lot of marinating. That, that's a lot of prep. You had time work. to think it over. <laughs> you absolutely yeah. did. But it's really beautiful. And tell people about the differences between the kind of even and odd number episodes. And you explained that um, early on in the in the podcast. But tell us about that. Yeah. I knew <laughs> that some people would be drawn to some of the stories and sure. others to others. So I tried to structure it in a way where you could have a hunch about which ones you were going to listen to. Because the titles don't really... They don't really give you a hint as to what it is. And it's really just all me. They're interesting. They're really interesting. Ubuntu is one of the titles, right? I yes, think so, yeah. yes. Um, so the even-numbered stories are the ones where it's just me pontificating, talking about the walk and what I'm thinking about and kind of expansive on that level. And then the odd-numbered stories are where Jesus shows up. <laughs> That's your holy imagination, That's right? It. Where you, if you were walking the... The trail with him. Yes. Yeah. And those are so fun. Yeah. I really hope everybody listens to all of yeah. them. Well, we probably need to wrap things up. I could talk to you all day long <laughs> just about the Camino and home in general, but there's a quote um, I like by a character in a famous children's book, which I have to admit I haven't read, but I love the quote. That's <laughs> by a Finnish author named Tova Johnson, Johnson or Jansen, um, that says, you must go on a long journey before you can really find out how wonderful home is. We talked about this a little bit already on the impact that it had about home, but did it make you appreciate home more? Or mm-hmm. what's your reaction to that quote, I guess? I don't know why human nature is like that, but I think that is a true statement. Maybe life is really like a long journey home we need the journey and maybe that we could extend that that idea to even pain and suffering in our lives because journeys usually involve that as well it's not all roses and not the fun part but it's definitely learning part oh right? yes and where some of the best lessons come from and we're kind of called forth in those moments so i think there is something about the journey to maybe a lot of it is just whittling away or or burning away, refining our ideas of homes and maybe some of the perfectionism or expectations or egocentricism that that goes along with 
you know, what we want to be our home and you start to realize, oh, oh boy, there's a lot more to this. And there's actually a lot more that I now see is, is a gift than I would have seen before the journey. I want to wrap up by asking the same question I ask every guest that appears on Home Where You Belong. It's, it's pretty simple. What is it that makes you feel most at home? It's great. My, the first response to that question is laughter. And we have a little sticker on our refrigerator that says laughter is the shortest distance between two people. The healthiest kind of laughter, because there is some that's more like a little cackle or yeah, a little sarcastic. A little sarcastic. Or, you know, but laughter, the, the healthiest, most expansive, welcoming laughter springs from joy. And joy, uh, I don't know if I can say joy is home or home is joy. There's something to it that I think is really true because when we are really joyful, all of our defenses are down and it doesn't matter where we are. But I did want to read this, and this is a Tibetan saying, wherever you have friends, that's your country. And wherever you have love, that's your home. Wow, that's awesome. So I don't know, maybe that's just a point to ponder. I do believe that. Could we really see a larger version of home and therefore look at each other in that way? Of course, our our family, of course, our friends, even though sometimes that takes a lot of work too. <laughs> that's okay. That's part of the journey, yep. right? Not always a smooth road, right? That's right. <laughs> But then also our community. I mean, our country. Could we be friends? Yeah. <laughs> Could we? And, wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? And then it is possible. And then just to say it, it's pretty obvious. But we are all walking the same on the same earth. Right. Like this is for real. This is by design. We're all right here, right now. What if we thought more like that? Absolutely. And darn it, we belong here. Yeah, we do. <laughs> Yay, Chip. Keep talking. All right. Hey, Holly, thanks again so much for being with us. It was really a pleasure to have you. For me too, Chip. Thank you. Hey, folks, if you're interested in learning more about Holly's journey, you can listen to her podcast, Along the Camino, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you stream podcasts. I'll include links in the show notes and on our website, homewhereyoubelong.com. And thanks again for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast, tell your friends about us. We want to help you continue experiencing that feeling of being at home wherever you are. So please subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts and visit our website at homewhereyoubelong.com. Want to join in on discussions, ask questions, or share feedback and ideas? Join our Facebook group, visit us on Instagram, or send an email to chip at homewhereyoubelong.com. We'll see you next time. Proud member of the Podnuga Network.